Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. Well, uh, you picked a great week to be here uh, because I am fresh off of the Super Bowl of Preaching Victory where I crushed Brent Bailey. Thank you very much. Um, I hope you had a good time and that you enjoyed it uh, last week, but we cannot live in the past. And so today we kick off our uh, transformed journey, our 50 days of transformation here at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. Listen, there are a lot of things that can happen. Uh, by being a part of our faith community. I hope that you uh, learn how to love people more. I hope that you learn how to forgive and let go of bitterness. I hope you learn how to be a better spouse and a better parent. I, I hope you learn how uh, to be a better employee. But uh, I even hope that you find a group of people that you can do life with, that can sow into you and you can sow into them. But my greatest desire for anyone who is part of our faith uh, community is that you discover Jesus and come into a life-changing relationship with him. Jesus, who took our sins upon himself, that we who have now died to sin might live for righteousness. That is uh, my goal and my ultimate hope for you, that we would, in fact, be transformed, the old being passed away and the new coming Upon us. Well, I'm glad that you're here for the kickoff of Transform, 50 Days of Transformation. It is the biggest thing that we will do all year. It is a church-wide series, meaning it's an all-skate in the all-skate direction. There are Sunday sermons. There are regroups that will meet during the week. There are DVDs that go with the Sunday sermons. There are notes, uh, fill-in-the-blanks that go during uh, the uh, midday uh, regroups that will take place. And for everyone who joins one of our groups, we call them regroups, we are giving you the Transform Daily Devotional for free. But wait, there's more. All right, there's no more. That's all there is. But uh, if you join one of our regroups, we're giving you this as our investment uh, into your transformation this year. And so this is... Um, it's kind of an all-in-one book. There are uh, 50 days of daily devotionals that are in here. There are notes for you to take in your regroup that go along with the DVD. There is um, a space for sermon notes, so you can bring this every Sunday, and in addition, bring it to your groups, and this is our uh, gift to you. It's our investment in your transformation in the new year. So if you join a group, I would be glad to get one of those in your hands. So over the next several weeks, we're going to explore seven areas of transformation. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be in a state of transformation. In other words, God should be, through the Holy Spirit, working something in you. That something is taking place in you. That you're not the same person you were five years ago. You are, in fact, being transformed. Salvation is the beginning, but it's not the completion. Something occurs after salvation. Matter of fact, when the Bible speaks of salvation, it's, it's referencing a three distinct but overlapping events. So really, there are three salvations, actually. The first is I was saved. 
And this is what is known as justification. Now, this is what most people, when they think of salvation, this is what they say. For me, I was saved when I was 14 years old. Uh, going to Moon Valley Community Church uh, is when I gave my life to Christ. This is by God's grace. He delivers us from the penalty of sin. We're, we're justified. We're, we're called just. We're made just. We're made righteous by His grace alone. We are, in fact, declared righteous. That is the first salvation. So I was saved, but I am also in the process of being saved. And the Bible calls this sanctification. This is the transformation. This is the work of redemption that should be taking place in all of us, all right? The Bible calls it sanctification. We're being set apart. We're being uh, uh, called out. God is releasing the impurities. That is what sanctification uh, is. is that, that's what's taking place, hopefully, in all of us. So, so we're saved from the penalty of sin in that first salvation, the second salvation and sanctification were, were saved from the uh, power of sin. That sin is losing its grip, hopefully. Sin is losing its hold on us as we are being transformed, as there is unfolding redemption taking place. It's why Paul told us to work out our salvation. Not that we're living in fear over whether or not we're saved or not, but because we're in the process of being transformed. We're in the process of being changed. So there is, uh, I was saved, uh, I am being saved, and then one day I will be saved in full. We call that glorification. So in the first salvation, we're saved from the penalty of sin. In the second salvation, transformation that's taking place, we're being saved from the power of sin. And in the third salvation, we will be saved from the presence of sin, meaning that one day the struggle will be over. We will not struggle with sin forever, amen? That one day it will be gone. Whether he comes back or we go to him, glorification, we will not struggle forever. And so th these, this is salvation as, as the Bible would uh, explain it, as the, the Bible would describe it. The challenge and the power is in the middle section. I am being Saved. This is where the challenge is. This is where the process is. Because the struggle is that although we've positionally been declared righteous, we've positionally been declared a new creation, the old creation does not give up easily. You should know that. The new you wants to live towards righteousness, and the old you wants to dabble in the things of the flesh. And this is the struggle. Because naturally, I do not drift towards the things of God. Naturally, I drift towards selfishness, and I drift towards sin. I don't have to practice being a good sinner. No one has this note on their mirror that they see every morning in the bathroom that says, sin, you can do it, right? <laughs> All you have to do to sin is just be who you are. Right? Because we have a natural drift towards selfishness. We have a natural drift towards sin. Naturally, I really don't drift towards anything good. My old nature drifts towards decay. My old nature drifts towards chaos. Matter, this is not just a spiritual statement. Science would tell us the same thing. Right? It's that, it's that second law of thermodynamics that, that, that in part, the, it's the universal law of decay that everything is moving towards chaos. That nothing stays as fresh as the day that you bought it. 
right? Our natural drift is always, always towards disorder. It's where our natural movement goes. It's always towards chaos. We are being pulled toward disorder. We are being pulled towards chaos. This means we have to, listen, this means we have to expend energy to create stability. It means we have to expend effort to create growth and structure and health. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever seen someone's yard who does not put in the effort of landscaping? It's a weed jungle. Someone raised their hand over here. I saw it. Right? It's a weed jungle. Why? Because the natural drift is not towards order. It's not like the yard says, I'll take care of myself. The natural drift is towards chaos. The natural drift is towards disorder. That's, that's kind of what life is. We told our children from a very early age, if there's anything you see in mom and dad that you like or that you hope to one day have, if there's anything about our marriage that maybe you hope to one day have, understand it did not happen by accident. It took effort because my natural drift is not towards a healthy marriage. It's towards selfishness. And we would all know from experience that anytime we do not put the effort into a relationship, the relationship doesn't drift towards health. The relationship drifts towards decay. Any relationship, right? doesn't matter if it's marriage, if it's a team relationship, whether it's, it's, it's the family, it, it, it doesn't matter. To be physically healthy, we have to put in the effort to create structure and health because our natural drift is toward this blob-like structure, <laughs> substance, right? And so, because that's, that everything drifts towards decay, and so we have to put in effort in order to achieve some kind of health. But even with effort, eventually the second law wins out. Eventually everyone decays, everyone breaks down. I know if you're under 30, you think you're indestructible, but time is waiting to punk you, okay? You're gonna go to bed one day feeling good, and you're gonna wake up in the morning with an injury. Somewhere in your sleep, you will sprain something. I don't know how it happens, but anyone over 40 can say, yes, I've experienced it, right? And so all of life is being pulled toward chaos and disorder. Now listen, listen. That means when it comes to the life you and I desire, if we just pick up our feet and go with the flow, the flow will lead you to disorder, confusion, and decay. You can't go with the flow. You want to know why? Because the flow don't know. This is a Marty original, by the way. And yes, it's supposed to be backwards because the flow don't know. All right? And so some of us, we've learned this by experience, that if I just pick up my feet and allow culture, allow the flow to take me, it never takes me somewhere I want to go because the natural drift, the natural flow is never toward godliness. It's never towards health. It's always towards chaos. It's always towards deterioration. And so th that, that is why I think many of us are here today. I hope that you're here today because you've learned that picking up your feet doesn't work. And you're here because you want to position yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, and that is work a transformation within you. That's what I hope you're here for. Give God 50 days and see what God can transform in you in each of these seven areas. Let's pray. We have a lot to cover. Do me a favor. Stand as we pray for our service, as we pray for our series, um, pray for our offering. Thank you to all of you that give. You make it possible for us to give these books away. 
Uh, these aren't cheap. They're like 15 bucks a piece. And so uh, it's a sizable investment that we're making uh, because of your generosity. And thank you. Thank you for that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I'm excited about this uh, next seven weeks and the journey that we're about to take, the journey of transformation. And so, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to walk with each one of us in this process for you to do what only you can do. Because transformation is not through our own effort. It's not through our own resolve. It's not through our own willpower. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're inviting you to move and function and flow in each of these seven areas, to have your way in us. Walk with us on this journey of change, on this journey of transformation. Speak over each one of us individually. Speak into each one of us individually what it is that we need to hear. Lord, we continue with an attitude of worship, even in our offering, uh, putting you first, participating in what you're about in the kingdom work here locally and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, please. Let's look at a verse that will push us forward over the next 50 days. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern, a way of living, of this world, but be transformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you, are able to, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Did you know that God, God uh, wants you to be a nonconformist? God does not want you to look like everyone else in culture. See, in this life, we will either be conformed or we will be transformed. One of the two is going to happen in all of us. Do not be conformed. In other words, God's saying, hey, do not merely blend in with the rest of society, with the rest of culture, with the, other, with, the, with the common pattern of living. In other words, don't go with the flow because the flow don't know, is what he's saying. We all start off as originals, but we end up copies conformed to culture where we are shoved and pressed and pressured into thinking like everyone else and talking like everyone else and spending like everyone else and obsessing like everyone else and worrying like everyone else. But as Christ followers, we're not supposed to be like everyone else. Something is supposed to be happening within us, a change, a transformation where we are becoming, we are looking more and more like Jesus. And so during the next 50 days, we're going to look at seven key areas of transformation. We'll put them on the screen. We're going to look at spiritual health and physical health. We're going to talk about mental health and emotional health. How, how, how do we keep our emotions from, from running our lives? How do we deal with emotions? We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us uh, relationally and speak to us how we handle money, financial health. We're going to look at how we live and function at work and vocational health. And so I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to be transformed. But understand this. There's not a magic pill, except maybe the gospel. <laughs> oh, stop it, Marty. Stop it. Stop. I'm joking. I did not find that funny. All right. Now, today we're laying the foundation for the next seven weeks. Uh, before we get into seven areas of transformation, I want us to lay a solid groundwork uh, to help us get the most out of the seven weeks to come. Because the life, as we said, the life you desire and the life that God desires for you will not happen by accident. 
Why? Because our natural drift is always towards chaos. Our natural, natural drift is always towards sin. Transformation just doesn't happen by good thoughts or good wishes or hoping. And it doesn't happen even just by praying. It happens by positioning ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Positioning ourselves. This means that over the next seven weeks, we will live intentionally. We will live with purpose. Now, we cannot live intentionally until we first define what intentionality looks like. Until we define what intentional living looks like. Because it will look different for each one of us. Because each of us are in a different season of life, and each of us have different circumstances surrounding life. And so I want us to define what intentional living looks like. So one of the things that we'll be challenged to do over the next 50 days is to define intentional living. In your regroup, you're going to be asked to set a goal for each of the seven areas that we will be discussing over the next seven weeks. Not three goals, not five goals, one goal for each area. Intentional living. You're going to be asked, stretched, challenged to set a goal in each one of those areas. And the goals will in part help determine if we're living intentionally. In other words, are we making decisions? Have we positioned ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to achieve those goals? We can evaluate how we're doing, what life looks like. Are we moving closer to the goals? Have we positioned ourselves? Am I living intentionally and with purpose? See, the next 50 days is really about your future. And it's about making the rest of your life the best of your life. Regardless of how much time we have left, the next 50 days is about making the rest of life the best of life. And it starts today if you are willing to take the journey of transformation. So as we lay the foundation for the next 50 days, I want us to look at the importance of living with purpose. The importance of setting spiritual goals in each of the seven areas. You're not going to set them all at once. Every week we're going to cover a new topic, and in your group there's going to be an opportunity for you to set a goal in each one of those areas. So I just want to talk about the, the reason why it is important. Goal setting. Let's talk about it. First one, six of them I'll give you. First one is that goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Think of it like this. Living with purpose is our spiritual responsibility, right? We just can't drift. We just can't pick up our feet and allow culture to carry us. See, we are easily derailed when our purpose is cloudy. If you don't know what you're about, if you don't have your life mission, if you don't have a goal that you're moving toward, we are much more easily derailed when life, and life is life, comes against us. Lewis Carroll, the author I told you uh, during our last service, the author of Alice in Wonderland, said, hey, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so we want to live intentionally. We want to have a goal, a God-oriented goal that we're moving towards, right? Just about every person who ever walked with God, every Christ follower in Scripture was purposeful. They had God-ordained uh, goals, or they had a divine purpose that pushed them forward. Paul says it like this in Philippians, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, the goal that is before me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, there was a purpose, purpose-oriented, goal-oriented. He says, look, I haven't achieved it yet. I haven't obtained it yet, but I'm getting closer. I'm moving towards it. That's one of the reasons why goals are important. We can, we can evaluate which direction our life is moving. Are we getting closer to what God has called us to? Are we getting closer to the person, the man or woman, that God has created us to be? Having a goal in each of the seven areas over the next 50 days, it's our spiritual responsibility because we will go through life either by design or default. And so the, the plan is, is that we will go through life by design. And part of design is, is, is listing out what we want to be like in each of these areas, where we want the Holy Spirit to move in each of these areas. Look, you will either decide and identify what is important or someone else will decide it for you. And that is true in every area of life. You will decide what is most important or someone else will decide it for you. And without purpose, without goals, we're just coasting, caught in the flow. All right, so the first one it is our spiritual responsibility. Second, goals are a statement of faith. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus and you set a goal by saying, I believe, that's a statement of faith, I believe God wants me to accomplish this in this amount of time, that's a statement of faith. Fa uh, goals are not only a statement of faith, but goals stretch our faith. Right, Depending on how large your goal is causes you to depend upon God even more. Have faith upon Him. Uh, Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Listen, if I don't have purpose, if I don't have a goal ahead of me, if I don't have direction, then, then I don't really need faith because it takes zero faith to go with the flow. It takes faith to say, God, this is what I think you're calling me to. This is, this is, this is what you're, you're birthing in me, and I'm going to have faith, and I'm going to position myself to allow you to get me there. So goals are a statement of faith. Number three, goals focus my energy. Right? They keep me from wasting time and wasting energy and wasting money because we're spending on what's most important. Focus is the key to an effective life. And the more you focus your life, the more powerful, the more effective life is going to be. We need to focus on what matters. You see, light that is diffused doesn't have much power. But light that is focused, right, can cut through steel. So the sun right now is not burning us to a crisp because it's diffused. But if you put the, 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 the power of the sun through a magnifying glass and focus it, it can burn ants. Not that I know from experience, but someone told me. I know I just upset all the vegans, right? Send your emails to marty at radiantchurch.com. I'll get it immediately. Right? So focus. They, they keep me focused, right? This focuses my energy on what is to come. Number four, goals keep me going when life is difficult. They give me hope to endure and courage to persist. If you find yourself going through a season of hell, you don't want to set up camp there. You want a goal. You want a vision. You want a purpose. You want a mission that is in front of you that keeps you going, that, that, that allows you to know that this isn't where my story ends. There's more to come. 
And so goals keep me going. They give me courage to persist. We need a purpose. We need a goal. We need a vision that is greater than whatever it is that we're going through. And so maybe if life is a little stale for you right now, maybe if you find yourself in a, in a season of hell, maybe you need to reorient some goals. Maybe, maybe you need to recast vision. Maybe you need to invite the Holy Spirit to, to re-envision you as to what your future looks like to give you the motivation and the stick to to keep moving forward. We have to have a goal, something future in mind. We have to focus on that. Remember I told you before that whatever we focus on, we magnify. And whatever we magnify, we focus on. Pastor Stephen Furtick said that. He's like, remember when you were younger and you had that big date and you had a zit on your face and you'd focus on that zit and the more you focused on it, the more it was magnified, the bigger it got. And the bigger it got, the more you focused on it. And the more you focused on it, the bigger it got, right? It's a cycle. Well, that works with positive things as well. We have to have something in front of us a God-ordained vision, a God-ordained goal that we can focus on because what you focus on is magnified. And what is magnified, you focus on, right? And that cycle works in our favor as well. Listen to kind of the focus of Jesus in Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, there's our focus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning a shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus looked beyond the pain and the turmoil of the crucifixion because of what awaited him. Part of what that was, was you. It was me. He endured the season of pain because of what was in front of him, because goals keep us moving. They keep us going. When when we have a long-term goal, a long-term vision, when your purpose is clear, it keeps us from becoming discouraged with with short-term setbacks. And setbacks are going to happen. Life is life. doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower or not, right? You will fail. We will have setbacks. We will blow it. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has failures. In fact, failures are really the only way that we learn to succeed because we learn what does work and what doesn't work. So the next time you fail, don't call it a failure. Call it an on-the-job education. And some of us are really well-educated. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? And so we, 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 we can move forward. We learn from it. So if you're, you're a little discouraged, maybe you need to reset your purpose. Maybe you need to uh, spend some time in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit, what, what is your mission? What is your goal? What is he moving you toward? Here's the fifth reason goals are important, is they, they build our character. Drifting, floating, going with the flow builds nothing. It doesn't build character to pick up my feet and allow culture to carry me. It it builds character when I have to invest in something and position myself and discipline myself to get to where the Holy Spirit is taking me. That is a character-building event. Going with the flow requires nothing. It builds nothing in us. Hey, we've all known people who went with the flow, and they're a 45-year-old person with zero character because the flow requires nothing from us, right? Right? It, it, it does require something to, to, to have a goal, a purpose, a mission, and to begin to make sacrifices to move toward that. Listen, the greatest benefit to your life from the goals that you will set over the next seven weeks in these seven areas uh, is not going to be the accomplishments and the achievements you acquire from these goals. 
The greatest benefit is going to be what happens inside of you while you are moving towards those goals. See, God is less interested in the actual goal than he is in what he's going to do in you as you are moving toward that goal. Look, the goal needs to be God-ordained, and, and it needs to have that, that, that vision out there, and it needs to be good. But understand that something is going to take place in you. And when you arrive at that goal, you know what's going to happen? You're going to set another one. Because there's something about when we recognize that the Holy Spirit is working in us. See, sometimes we go through seasons of hell, the dip, and we hate it. And yet when we sense the Holy Spirit with us, and when we sense the power of God working in us, we hate it, but we love it. And some of you that have been through the dip, you understand what it's like. I, 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 I don't necessarily like where I'm at, but man, something is happening in me. And when you get through that season, when you get out of that dip, you're like, I don't want it to end. I look, I could do without the dip, but I want the Holy Spirit to continue working in me because that momentum breeds momentum. right? And so something is going to happen in us. While I'm working on my goal, God is working in me. And that's what's going to happen over the next seven weeks. The sixth reason to set personal goals is good goals will be rewarded. And we see men and women throughout history who have had good, uh, inspired goals, who uh, have left a legacy behind. And and, in a sense, they were rewarded. William Wilberforce, uh, who, who... fought against slavery in in England and through uh, his trials and his faithfulness and his single-mindedness and his gritty determination over a 25-year period of time finally saw success, was rewarded. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose goal was to see racial equality endured under hardship and threat of death and even in death. Now, he is highly esteemed and there is a reward of sense because he was faithful to his goal, faithful to his mission. Good goals will be rewarded. But understand this. The ultimate reward does not come in this life. The ultimate goal comes in the life to come. Now, Brent spoke about this last week a little bit during his humiliating Super Bowl of preaching loss. But he did speak on this part in 1 Corinthians 9.25 where where, where he said this. Uh, All athletes practice strict self-control. They say yes to certain things. And they say no to other things, right? They do it to win a prize that will fade away. In other words, they do it all to get this, the, the, this crown, this, this wreath, uh, that quickly, immediately begins to fade, begins to deteriorate, because everything moves that direction. But then Paul says, we do it for an eternal prize, right? We will be rewarded with a prize that never fades, never deteriorates. And so he says, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. See, this is what we're going to be challenged in over the next several weeks, to to run with purpose in every step. Now, here's the question that needs to be answered. As we talk about goals, we need to ask the question, what kind of goals does God bless? Because not all goals are created equal. There are some goals that God is in, and there's some goals that God says, yeah, not my thing. And so what kind of goals does God bless? If you're going to set goals over the next seven weeks, what kind of goals should we set? Here's some questions we can ask ourselves. Will this goal honor God? And so as you're thinking about in those seven areas, 
ask yourself, will this goal that I'm about to set, will it honor God? Will it bring glory to God? A goal that brings glory to God is any goal that causes us to depend on God more or to lean on Him more or to love Him more or to love other people more or to serve Him more or to serve other people more or any type of goal that causes me to be less and Him to be more. Those are goals that God can bless and that God can get behind. Unselfish goals. If it's any of those things, God will bless those. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, hey, God paid a price for you, so use your body to honor God. In other words, even in our bodies, we have a choice on how we will use them. We can use them purely for pleasure, or we can use them to honor God in how we treat our body and what we do with our body. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says this, whether you eat or drink or do anything, always do it to honor God. In other words, Paul is saying, whatever it is that you do in life, taking out the garbage, cleaning the house, working on the car, studying for a test, whatever your job is, you can do it to honor God if you have the right attitude. And so what is that goal going to look like for you? Will it honor God? Here's the second question. Is this goal motivated by love? See, God is not going to bless a goal motivated by greed or competition or envy or guilt or grudges. If your goal is, I just want to be famous, God's like, yeah. How about you make me famous? That's what God's going to say, right? That's a little, bit, that's a little better. Uh, Al has a shirt that says, famous enough. I love that shirt. It's like, it's not about me. It's about him. So he's not going to honor a goal that's built on worry or fear or anxiety. He's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by materialism or ego or pride. It's just not who God is. It's not the way God works. But when you set a goal out of love saying, God, I want to love you more, and I want to love the people that you love more, God says, that's something I can get behind. That's a goal that we can work with together, and that is a goal that I can bless. Love is key. 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, hey, love must be your highest goal. In chapter 16, he says, everything you must do, everything you do must be done with love, meaning it should be the number one goal we have. We're learning to what? Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're learning to love others. And so is your goal motivated by love? And here's the third question to ask. Will this goal require me to depend upon God? Remember, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God. Listen, if you, if, if you set goals in these seven areas that require no faith, you're missing the point. Like if, if we go through spiritual health and then you go to your regroup and they say, okay, it's time for you to write your goal in your transformed uh, 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 book. What, what is your goal on spiritual health? And you're like, mm, you think about it, you're like, my goal over the next seven weeks is to read the Bible once. Probably aimed a little low right? This, it takes no faith. It takes no challenge. And so, and so when, you, when, when you're coming up with a goal, ask yourself, is this goal going to cause me to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit in me? Don't just select something that you can do yourself. Transformation is not about my willpower. Transformation is about the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And so if you're choosing something that you can do yourself, that's not what we're about. The entire Christian journey isn't about your resolve, isn't about your uh, a greater effort. It's about you submitting and allowing the power of God to work in us even when we're, even when we're weak. 
That's why Paul says, hey, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with persecution, with distresses, with difficulties for Christ's sake. Why? Because when I'm weak, he's strong, meaning I can move forward through his power working in me even when my power is depleted. And so what is your goal going to look like? Is it going to be a goal where you will need to depend upon God? Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And that's what we're going to do during the next 50 days. We're going to gain vision for our lives. We're going to plan the way that we want to live. But only God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the power and the energy and the ability to actually do it. So I hope you're ready for seven weeks of transformation. If you're going to be transformed, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, right? Because it's not about our own power. It's about the Holy Spirit in us, right? We're going to need God's Word to guide us. Man, if you've never read the, 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 the Bible on a, on a regular basis, now's a great time to jump in, right? Get it on, uh, uh, get the Audible Bible through the U version. It'll read it to you if you have to. You can get it on your phone, read it uh, at, 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 at work. Um, I've been listening to the Bible, uh, going through it, um, you know, for, through, through a year's time, and uh, because I spent a lot of time driving and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then, you know, I, I just upped it. And so I thought, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna li- to listen to the Old Testament because the year's new. And, and so now I'm in the New Testament physically reading it and, and just, you know, feeding myself. The more that we read Scripture, the more that it will transform us. That's not my promise to you. That's His promise to us. He tells us that if His Word is established in us, something is going to happen. Why? Because His Word is living, and it's active, and it's powerful, right? Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. It's living and active, and it pierces the division of the soul and the spirit of both flesh and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so this is your opportunity to, to, to start allowing the Word of God to speak to us. And if, if you're going to get the most out of the next seven weeks, you're going to need people around you to support you. Listen, you will not be able to reach your goal without other people in your life. And you already know this to be true because some of the most formative moments in your life came because of other people. The most formative moments in your life involved other people speaking into you. And so you already know this to be true. And so this is why we're encouraging everyone, everyone, everyone to get involved in a regroup over the next seven weeks. Now, we have groups that are going to be meeting uh, during uh, the week in homes, and you've had this form in your bulletin for the last three or four weeks, and we're asking that everyone would fill out the bottom form. You can drop it in the buckets under the canopy on your way out, but that you would find a group that works for you. Now, we also have Wednesday groups that are going to be a free dinner and child care for $3 a child. That'll take place right here on Wednesdays at 6.30. And now listen, Wednesday groups are getting close to capacity. I think we're over 120 people already for that. And we can only cook so much food. And so like you may have to split a chicken leg with three people. I don't know. I made it that, right? And so if you can make it to a home group, I, I encourage you. Go to a home group, all right? All of our leaders are solid people. You're not going to walk into something weird, okay? If you show up in the leader shirtless, run, all right? 
it'll be a safe place, though, I promise you. If you need child care and if Wednesday is the only thing that works, absolutely, I want you here on Wednesday. So we're asking that you would fill out the form, drop it in the buckets on your way out, uh, and if you are signing up for a Wednesday dinner group, they're going to take your registration outside immediately because we have to finish purchasing food because the first group starts this week. Matter of fact, all groups launch this week. So find a group. Uh, if, if it's not a home group, find the Wednesday night dinner group uh, that, that will take place. If, if you are leading a home group or if you're leading a table group on Wednesday, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just do me a favor and stand up just very quickly. Stand up and stay standing. So these people that are standing right now are some of the people who are leading groups, guys in the back as well, either leading a group in their home or they're leading a table group. Uh, and we're probably, when it's all said and done, we're probably going to have, I don't know, 28 options for you between table groups on Wednesday and home groups for you to get involved in. Here's what I know. It's going to require effort. You're going to have to put in effort or the flow don't know. It's going to pull you towards chaos. It takes effort. To, to create structure and stability, and that's the challenge for us. And so I'm asking that you would consider what group you want to be a part of. Guys, go ahead and be, uh, sit down. Thank you for uh, your service to us. We appreciate it. Listen, I want to get this in your hands, and I want you to join a group so you can be a part of this. Now, here's the, here, here's the thing that, that, that um, hurts me the most is when people in our church go through difficult seasons and they have no one in the church who is supporting them because they've never been involved in a group and they have no connection. Meaning that if, if, if you think I am your connection when life falls apart, I'm going to disappoint you. And it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I'm not rooting for you. It's just because I physically cannot be that connect person for everyone in this church. We're already too big. And that's why you have to have other people in your life that you can call when hell comes against you that's going to be able to stand with you. I don't want to let you down, but I'm telling you in advance, I'm going to let you down. I cannot physically do it. And so that's why we're pushing you into groups so a group of people will be able to invest in you and you will be able to invest in them. And so I promise you this, over the next 50 days, if you will come and if you will listen and if you will read and if you will watch and you engage and you talk, you will grow over the next 50 days. But if you come and if you're a Sunday-only person, I hope you get something, I think you will, but you will not nearly be, you will not, you, you will not see the transformation you would see if you fully, fully engage in a group over the next 50 days. Listen, I've done this a long time. Life change happens more in a group of 10 people than it happens in a group this size. You will have more transformation sitting around with a group of 10 people, meaning transformation is going to happen better across the table than it will across the pulpit. That's just what I've... And anyone who's been in faith long enough would tell you the exact same thing. So there's my challenge to you. I hope you engage in it. The next seven weeks I think is going to be fantastic. Stand with me. Stand with me. All right, if you're a Wednesday uh, group person, uh, please, on your way out, make sure you register at the, uh, the table outside. Register just so we can get a food count uh, and make sure we have tables set up. Uh, if you're looking for a home group, you saw some of those guys who were standing. Uh, they'll be fantastic for you. Uh, as well. 
Uh, and some of those leaders, they'll be outside and, uh, you know, you can approach them on uh, when their group meets and, and stuff like that. All right, pray with me. Lord, we've a, a big kickoff today with a lot of material thrown at us, but we kind of need to set that foundation on where we're going. So I'm really praying that there would just be some uh, God-inspired, Holy, inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired goals over the next seven weeks. Uh, that we would uh, be challenged by you. And that really, it would all start with submission. That we would submit ourselves to you. That we would say no to certain things and say yes to other things that will, that will reap long-term benefits. And I'm hoping that one of those things we say yes to is being involved in a group with other people going through the same journey. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would walk with us every step of the way, every day, every week, every month, every page, every chapter that we read together. Holy Spirit, you are invited to take the lead in this journey that we're going to be on. Do something significant in each one of us, even when it's difficult, even when we're pressed, even when we're challenged. Do something significant in us that we would become more and more looking like Jesus. That is my prayer for myself and for our church community. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I look forward to taking this journey with you. See you next week. Some of you, I will see you in a group this week as well. God bless.